Hi, and welcome back to AmbiX, the Smart Building Podcast. This episode is slightly different because a couple of weeks ago, our Chief Technology Officer, David Eaves, featured on the Metricus podcast, the PropTech Ramble. And we wanted to share the highlights of that conversation with you. It's interesting to hear from David as he's one of the original founders of AmbiX. His views of the smart lighting industry provide a good understanding of AmbiX's beginnings, our values, and potential, as well as how we're operating today within both the smart lighting and smart building industries. So we hope you enjoy. Over to Michael Grant and Sam Hall now to introduce the PropTech Ramble. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another PropTech Ramble. Uh, I have myself today, Michael Grant and Sam Hall, uh, co-host. We are talking today with David Eaves, the CTO of AmbiX. Uh, AmbiX, uh, for those who don't know, uh, was a spin-out from Philips uh, in the Surrey Research Lab in 2008. Uh, David, thank you very much for joining us. Yep. Uh, Well, hi, Michael. Uh, Yeah, I'm pleased to be here. I'm uh, basically a software engineer by initial training. Uh, I specialised in artificial intelligence many, many years ago. Uh, and joined uh, Philips Research Laboratories in, in Surrey in the UK uh, and spent 18 happy years there doing all kinds of things uh, to do with sort of entertainment and interactive systems. So AmbiX really grew then into a lighting control business uh, based on software. So, uh, and, and we've developed a extremely sophisticated sort of smart lighting control system uh, that increasingly we're using for uh, managing smart building systems. And and really it's a sort of IoT platform because it's not just about lighting, it's also about interacting with sensors and other other data uh, and very much about interoperability into the kind of IP and IT domain as well as just the, the control of the lighting experience itself. So big part of what AmbiX is about is about creating better lighting experiences, uh, really understanding the quality of that light, but also the quality of what's going on in the space and making that light appropriate to the space, to the people that are in it, very importantly, uh, helping to support them both in what they're doing and also their well-being. Uh, and then also communicating that information out to the people who are managing that space or working with that space or analyzing data from that space. Uh, and that's a, a huge part of what we do now is, is, is take that out into, into that domain. How exactly does lighting impact comfort in the built environment? This, this is a big question, but you're probably better placed to answer than, than, than most. Yeah, well, it, well, again, back in those days, I, I think we didn't really understand just how important it was. I think light, lighting had been pretty much taken for granted for, for many, many years. And I, I mean, coming out of Philips, who, you know, inventors of the light bulb, I mean, the last last hundred years, people have pretty much seen lighting as, as a way of, of lighting up dark buildings so you can see what you're, you're doing. Um, and it was, you know, and, and around that time, people were starting to realise that, you know, that there were, you know, seasonal, you know, effect disorder and so on, where, you know, if you didn't have enough light, people were feeling pretty unhealthy and so on, but not really understanding quite why. But, the, the, yeah, the science advanced really quickly over recent years. And now we really actually understand just how important lighting is, not just to what are you doing, 
but actually how well you are and how well you you live and sleep and uh, and so on because it actually affects your physiology we we evolved under sunlight uh you know our entire body cycle is as it turns out managed and manipulated by the light we're exposed to and then a few hundred years ago we started living in in dark buildings uh, and actually affecting our very health and well-being by restricting our you know natural body rhythms based on on lighting and then we got even more you know uh sort of difficult on that because we started to mess with the lighting patterns even further by creating our own artificial light and so the fact that we now understand just how important that is to our physiology as well as our ability to 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 act and do do things uh means that you know we we really should pay a lot more attention to it and i think that's you know within the built environment we can really you know we're just at the start of, of finding out how light can really improve you know the way the way we live and you know our own you know personal you know health uh you know it can we can work with those body cycles and i think we can even enhance what we do so so in the same way we use light to sort of extend our day and you know we don't all have to go to bed just because it gets dark we can get on with things we can also use light to actually improve the way we way we feel and the way we we act and, and you know and, and certainly some medical conditions and so on are very much affected by our you know our body cycles and our ability and we can use light light to support that yeah i think i seem to remember reading a paper a few years ago about how using lights that can mimic circadian rhythm for people with dementia can significantly improve their memory retention because that's part of you know, that breaking of the cycle that has been linked yeah. related maybe not causation yet but no, I, I, well absolutely I, I think more more and more is being found you know every day about yeah. uh, you know what what you can what you know what we can do with light um some of it comes through the eye uh, you know the, the ganglion cells found in the the eye very recently uh you know are actually sort of hardwired into this body clock but it, it's not just in your eye it's through your skin and through through you know your whole whole body so you know it is a it's you know there's a lot going on and a lot of you know different cycles and different elements of of, of, of how your body works is essentially linked to the 24 hour, hour cycle of the of the earth turning uh, and and we mess with it in lots of ways because we get jump on airplanes now and things maybe not so much recently but in in general and have to deal with things like jet lag and again light can be used to help you know mitigate for those those effects because your body does naturally adjust to the new new time zones and so on but actually you can help that with with better lighting and a better understanding of how how that works and you mentioned dementia we do a lot of work in care homes uh, and we provide what we call circadian supportive lighting into those spaces we make sure that the, the, the certain wavelengths in the blue uh, area are managed during the course of the day both to activate people in the morning uh, and actually bring their body clocks up to up to speed as it were but also later in the day not to disrupt the pattern of actually preparing to sleep and so on and and, and it and you mentioned patients with uh, uh, and residents in care homes with with dementia it's very important for them because they can't manage their own uh, body cycle they, they don't self-manage they don't know necessarily when to eat when to sleep and so on and in and those environments 
are very unnatural. Uh, you know, if, if you spend many hours isolated away from natural light, body cycles do just go completely out of sync. And, and one of the big problems in care homes is uh, that, that a lot of the residents have, are, are up in the middle of the night. They often snooze during the day and then wake up during the, the night. Uh, and that can be very hard work for, for staff, other residents, and of course, their own well-being. And what we've seen with the, the, the care homes we put our circadian supported lighting in is that essentially you, you solve this kind of sundowning problem uh, and, and that you can bring residents all into the same cycles uh, and so on. And so nighttime is nighttime and people are sleeping and, and patterns are less disrupted and staff can, can go about a much more structured structured day and and, and you know and, and people can have meals at the same time and so on it, it, it's very very effective uh, and, and you know and, and only the last few years we've really understood the importance of this a key to this is that lighting needs to be appropriate to to the task and the situation uh, and, and that works both ways I mean they when you're trying to concentrate or you're trying to do something very detailed you know if you're a if you're a heart surgeon you need 2000 lux not 500 you know it, it and if you're if you're doing a task where you're trying to concentrate it's very important the you know the quality of the light as you say lack of flicker is important but all, but actually variation in light can be important and we we do typically you know in office environments end up under a very sort of monochrome static light and and that is also something that's very hard to concentrate in. it's you know you know you actually having variation and change can be important in light uh and and that can really help concentration creativity uh etc and uh, and as is as we were talking about earlier you know the color temperature the circadian supportive element you know the time of day is very important but but beyond that you also get to the point and this is very hard to capture in standards and so on is is your your age your gender your ethnicity you know your you know your background may mean that you have different lighting requirements expectations body cycles etc i mean we we tend to you know even in the circadian space always reproduce a western european view of the circadian cycle well that's not actually how daylight changes at the equator or in scandinavia or or whatever it you know and and different people's ethnicity and where where their physiology developed is affected but you know may, may be different and therefore they actually will find that they need a different form of supportive lighting so so it can be a bit more complex than just uh you know what can be captured in a, a standard and i think you know it's it's very important that we start to to understand that and and provide more sophisticated solutions that can adapt and, and, and work with, with that. An office environment needs to be lit differently to a care home yeah. or to your domestic environment. And one of the problems, of course, we have at the moment is even if we do a good job in, in, in an office, people then go home and, uh, and don't necessarily have the next stage of the lighting they need for their, their body cycle for the day. So that there is always a danger that in, a, in an office, we've maybe ramped up the blue a little bit to make people more productive and, and concentrate a little bit better uh, during the day what they really need then is to ramp down the blue in the in the evening in order to sort of recover back to the correct sleep cycles and, and so on and, and if you go home and you've got you know 6,000 Kelvin lights 
uh, you know, in your living room, uh, you'll probably find that your, uh, you know, your sleep patterns get quite disrupted uh, and you'll find people struggling in the morning uh, to, to, to wake up however much blue light you fire out them. So. On the lighting side, we've, we've talked about the built environment and actually retrofitting is always harder than designing new, but how does how does lighting contribute to sustainability side of the built environment? Apart from going from you know tungsten or fluorescent to LEDs, but how else can it? Help? Yeah, well, well, clearly, I mean, you know, it's a hot hot topic, and and probably sort of a couple of years ago, it was probably what everything that people were worrying about was how much energy can you save from light? I mean, light lighting is a large energy consumer, you know, throughout the throughout the planet and so if we can do a better job of it uh you know then then we can certainly save energy and as you mentioned you know just switching to led as you know is a is a big energy saving but there's still quite a lot left on the on the table after that uh better lighting control even at the sort of simplistic level that you get with you know sort of dali systems and so on in in recent years you know, means that you can kind of turn the lights off when no one's in the room and do some daylight harvesting, you know, using natural light and not having the lights and the natural light on at the same time and things like that are are steps in the right direction. But what you really need is 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 far more sophisticated and granular control because even within a single room or a single working area, not all the lights have to be on at the same level at the same time, depending on who's where and what people are doing and so on. But conversely, you know, the drive to be sustainable often leads to lights being dimmed down or pushed, you know, below a level where you can properly concentrate on a task or see what you're doing, or they tend to go out more often, you know, the, the, you know, it's becoming less common, but the having to wave at the PIR in a room is like a sort of well-known phenomena, but it shouldn't be. Light should be a lot more, you know, with good sensors and good good lighting. You should never you should never be without enough light, but also one of the things that really needs to be thought about is also darkness. So it's not, it's not only about lighting control, it's darkness control. Uh, and we can be better at that. The, the number of times we we look at buildings and we just see them blazing away, you know, in the middle of the night and and so on, you know, is is, is ridiculous. But actually, you can manage lower lighting levels and you can create more texture and you can take energy usage out. So there's a lot still to be be done with better, you know, management of light. Um, I mean, coming back to the, the the standards, one of one of the current problems with standards is you you kind of have standards there that say well you've got to have five hundred lux at desk level, you know, in in the whole of a, a a space, and that's part of the reason why you end up with the sort of monochrome lighting level that achieves five hundred lux at one hundred percent lighting, and that's that's what gets put in. But what you really want is lighting that's capable of doing a thousand lux when needed, but is well engineered. So normally we'll be running lower than that and you know and will will turn itself off when not not needed uh, and you know in, in a sophisticated way uh, and you know that's possible to achieve now with with technologies like ours but it you know it's it's not the norm yet uh, and i think that's that's where we've got to get to have you seen an increase in developer owners thinking more carefully about lighting and lighting design within their building yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, 
obviously over my my whole journey with light we've very much gone from lighting being seen as functional plus maybe something for entertainment you know where where colored light was used and so on but you know lighting control was pretty minimal in, in those stages outside of that kind of entertainment domain but certainly more recently the possibilities of lighting control and better lighting design are are well understood uh, and then uh, i think until recently cost has tended to be the biggest factor in lighting design and, and has typically meant you've you've ended up with pretty simplistic and uh and, and uh you know monochrome lighting solutions uh, and because it's been perceived that good lighting design is expensive but that's no longer really the case it, you know it good lighting is possible without spending a, a, a fortune uh, now. And, and people are starting to understand that. We're definitely seeing a change in that, that sort of understanding. But the thing that's really been driving it very, very recently, of course, is around the, around the pandemic, people have actually been moving away from the office to, to home, you know, expecting a better sort of working environment of course, not necessarily getting it at home, but certainly to get them back into the office, they are now sort of asking the question, not just of lighting, but lighting is one of those things of, you know, is is it really doing what it should be doing for me? And if, if it's about my well-being and my and the quality of the experience, people are having to put more attention to that. And we're we're definitely seeing that that happen now. That that those people who own real estate actually understand they have to make a really good quality uh, working environment and lighting plays a plays a role in that there are pioneers in that a lot of a lot of the big corporates have understood it for a while and do do it uh, and, and you, you obviously see you know sort of high-end creative agencies and google and people like that really valuing the quality of the you know the working experience working space uh, and like and they definitely are looking for this but we also see it in the big financial institutions and so on they, they understand people are more productive more effective more committed you know get lower churn in personnel you get less sick days and so on if you provide better quality working environments and and that's more valuable actually than just saving some energy or saving some initial capital cost yeah based on that are people whether they're owners developers are they coming to you more based on occupant comfort, well-being, or sustainability, or is it all three, or is it more one than the other? I mean, fr frankly, we we see it differing between many different uh, customers, and it, it, it often depends on who the the main decision maker or stakeholder is. But you know, uh, and you know, some sometimes the decisions are are driven more by the people who are installing the lights, so they actually want it. You know, they like like ambx because it's simpler to commission uh, and deploy uh, and that would be the main driver but if the facility manager is an important part of the decision making then they're looking for something where they can you know they can manage adapt and adjust to the way the building's operating uh, and and see the data sometimes the building owners are much more interested in the data or we, we've had projects where the it's hr that are actually driving the you know things and they they they're interested in the productivity and the and the well-being so you know it can be very different between one project and another that you, you know I, I think 
lighting projects and built smart building projects have very complex sets of stakeholders and you know it's, it's often one or the or the other um i mean when i was talking about the care homes that's a completely different driver i mean what what matters there is actually you know to some extent it's the well-being of the of the people in the care home but that is also part of their business model so they need to be able to provide you know a healthier better environment and the side effect of that is you know it it improves the environment for the residents both the individual who's got the better lighting but also other residents who are less disrupted and staff who are able to work better uh, and so on so it's a different different model there and, and that very much for instance is based on the quality of the lighting the the, the you know this, the, the circadian supportive lighting and so on um, and what we've seen in in the care homes we've been doing is the quality of the lighting also leads to less falls uh, and that was a side effect almost we we didn't immediately understand until we 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 did it but but actually if a care in if it you know we reduce say the falls by about 80 percent in in one of the care homes we we do and that's has a huge impact on on both the residents and the and the staff uh and it's something we're very proud of yeah that's 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 a great outcome yeah i would have thought lights would reduce falls that's yeah that's very cool actually <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, lighting in the built environment. Where, where do you see where do you see it going next? Or are you guys being pulled in one direction? Uh, what What are you seeing from the from the built environment? We stick to kind of the people who are mostly listening to this. Uh, my, my my children probably like to put me in a care home sooner rather than later, but I'm not there at the moment. <laughs> the, the we think about the built environment. Where do you, where where Kind of where's ambx going where do you think lighting is going yeah uh, i mean it it has been moving very quickly and i, I personally i think we're i mean essentially i i see it as as a digital revolution uh, you know it, it's happened in a lot of things i i see lighting as a media not as a bunch of, of hardware that you put in the ceiling but actually lighting is a it, it is now a a media both a creative thing but also just something that that, that so sort of deeply you know in, interacts with our lives potentially both you know in the office in the domestic environment in sort of entertainment and public spaces and so on and I think increasingly that's that's how it's going to be be seen so actually the the, the design and the quality of the light itself that is delivered will become you know what is important much more than the than how it is delivered the physical infrastructure to deliver it and that that's that's where i see us going I, i'm not sure that that's you know the next 18 months but it i think think that's the the, the vision and the uh, and, and the direction and is starting to be what's important to, to to people so we hope you enjoyed that if you've got any questions about ambx our solution or our technology don't hesitate to get in touch you can check out the full video podcast of the conversation with david on the Metricus YouTube channel. Thank you.